lot of potential sellers out there that says, why do I need it? And I always equate it to when you go to sell your house, before you put your house on the market, you're going to get your house in order. You're going to do your landscaping and, and you're going to maybe fix the bathrooms and kitchen. And in this example, from a financial side, a potential seller is trying to get his house in order. Welcome to the Cashing Out Podcast, where our fellow founders share real stories and offer honest advice around selling their companies to some of the top acquirers in the world. My name is Todd Sullivan, CEO of ExitWise, where we help business owners create the exits they deserve. On today's special episode of the Cashing Out Podcast, I'm speaking with Larry Simon, a certified public accountant and partner at Doran Mayhew, a top accounting firm in North America. Now, instead of our typical format of interviewing a founder who has built and sold a business, we thought we would interview an M&A expert to educate our founders around the decision of whether to do a sell-side quality of earnings report or Q of E. Q of E reports completed by sellers before they begin a sale process is one of the most effective ways a business owner can help maximize the sale of his or her business. And Larry is a natural educator on this topic. We cover the basics of what a Q of E analysis is, what the difference between a sell side and a buy side Q of E is, and what the underlying time and cost requirements to have a Q of E completed prior to marketing your deal to buyers. The audio of this conversation was previously recorded as part of our ExitWise live event series entitled, What is Quality of Earnings and Why is it a Critical Part of Selling Your Business? I hope you enjoy this new format and please let us know what other topics you'd like to learn about for future episodes. All right, everyone, thanks for joining here. We've got Larry Simon from Dorn Mayhew. And what I'm excited about is this topic of quality of earnings is something that's coming up over and over and over, really becoming table stakes in M&A transactions for sellers. And there's a bit of unknown and confusion around this particular topic. We have worked with Dorn Mayhew on multiple engagements from divesting pieces of public companies to bringing founder-owned businesses to market for sale. I've known Larry for a few years now, and we've worked together, traveled around Larry, right? We've been in Florida together, done a lot of different things together. And really, every time we look at an option for quality of earnings, Doran Mayhew and Larry really are always our first choice based on the outcomes that we're seeing and how effectively they work across industry and different sizes of businesses. So I'm excited to have you, Larry, chatting and, and getting us all smarter, frankly, about quality of earnings reports. Well, we and we will definitely do that. Okay, great. Like, obviously, I, I'm not going to do it justice, right? Please g- give your intro to the audience yeah. here. Yeah, just so, so by way of background, Larry Simon partner with Doran Mayhew, been a partner for over 25 years. Doran Mayhew is a firm of 650 professionals in multiple offices. We're in Troy, Michigan is where we're headquartered, large presence in Houston, Dallas, Miami, and in different regions of the country, and uh, along with here in Michigan, another off, large office in, in Grand Rapids. We're a public accounting firm, but we service our clients in, in a multiple of disciplines, including your traditional audit and tax, and, and we have significant practice in what we call transaction services, where we do financial due diligence for business owners, private equity firms all around the country. Our clients are scattered throughout the U.S. and in different regions around the world. 
That's great. Again, I, what I should say is Doran is also a sponsor of ExitWise. And so bringing this type of education to the audience, I think is just, it's invaluable. I know you guys are a top firm, Forbes, as you listed as one of the top firms in the country, accounting firms, but your specialty and quality of earnings is really what we love. Why don't we start there, Larry? Can you just describe what is a quality of earnings or QOV is the, the acronym that we hear quite a bit? Yeah, so so our focus, you know, for the next half hour or so is going to be what we call a QOV on sell side transactions. We do both buy side and sell side. And and basically what it is is a company, either a buyer or a seller, is going to retain us to do what's called a quality of earnings. We're going to flush through the PL, we do a quality of balance sheet, and we make assessment that the earnings that are being represented by the company are are correct as stated. We don't we're not auditing the numbers. We're doing a lot of analysis. We're we're conducting a lot of management meetings with management, flushing out things like whether the company is complying with the accounting rules and how their books and records are kept and in a variety of other things. But it's, it's an assessment up front to determine whether the different components of a balance sheet that are going to be reported to a potential buyer are correct and that the EBITDA number from which a purchase price will be determined is is a correct number. Yeah, and and the reason it's really, really important for for sellers these days is when you're armed with third-party data, right? It's your assessment of the company's data. We know that we're speaking from a point of truth. And buyers know when our investment bankers reach out to them and present this kind of financial profile that there is just a lot more confidence in the data that's being presented when they know that that was created by someone like Dorn Mayhew. And another way to look at it is it establishes right up front credibility. So when when the investment banker is, you know, and everything is presented, there's credibility that there is a sell side due diligence report prepared by a third party, which would be in our example, our firm. The homework has already been done up front. And, and keep in mind when, you know, sometimes when you look at sell side due diligence, there are a lot of potential sellers out there that says, why do I need it? And I always equate it to, as an example, when you go to sell your house, before you put your house on the market, you're going to get your house in order. You're going to do your landscaping and and you're going to maybe fix the bathrooms and kitchen. And in this example, from a financial side, a potential seller is trying to get his house in order. He wants to make sure that before anybody looks at his financial statements, his books, that those books and records are correct. And, and so we have a chance to vet through, to ask a lot of questions of the seller before we document and put anything down in a report. And after we go through all of that, make sure that, you know, that everything's in compliance with accounting rules and, and that whatever we help to propose in management adjustments is correct, then we put it in a formal report. But it truly adds credibility to the whole sale process that this homework is done and it makes the the seller look extremely prepared going in. 
Absolutely. It really elevates these engagements to buyers. I think one of the things I like, and maybe you have some examples, is that during the quality of earnings uh, research, you might find something that sticks out to you, whether it's churn or customer concentration. And when you identify those things and the buyer's investment banker gets to now understand that in a different light, all of those things that might be red flags at a later date now can be addressed up front, right? Because the worst thing is like when you said selling your house, that inspector comes in and finds 10 things and then the buyers all walk away and you burn a lot, a lot of time. But if you're very upfront about what the business is and you have great answers for why uh, they're finding the different issues that they find up front, the bankers can adjust them and buyers become aware and it doesn't look like you're hiding anything. Just as, as an added value, if all this is done up front, you're in a better position to negotiate your purchase price and, and your letter of intent before anything is done because, because your EBITDA, we flush through your EBITDA and all the balance sheet stuff. So when you go to market and you start to negotiate your purchase price, again, the homework has already been done up front and you're in a better position to negotiate rather than be blindsided by a buyer coming in with their due diligence team, you know, coming back with adjustments to purchase price halfway through the deal. Larry, do you have any examples, right? We've worked together a bit. I'm trying to think of past engagements where, you know, we were able to identify a red flag and and even have the business fix it, or maybe examples where when a buyer is going to go do their own buy side quality of earnings that you know everything checks the box and purchase price is never contested and maybe the good and the bad do you have any any examples that we can put in people's heads a couple examples and i'm going to flip it a little bit differently we've seen examples where uh, sell side was not done and sell side due diligence was not done and we come in as due diligence on the buy side and find problems with inventory and so better to flush those out up front. But we had an example, um, this goes back three months ago, where, where we performed sell-side due diligence, and we discovered that our client, the seller, uh, was not recognizing revenue properly in accordance with the accounting rules. Sure. So we went ahead and put on our accounting hats and helped them straighten out their books so that when a buyer comes in with their due diligence team, the revenue recognition process is already aligned, properly aligned. And, and the other example where we went in and, and uh, performed our sell-side due diligence, and, and one of the components is we look at various balance sheet accounts. One of them was inventory. And we identified the fact that there was significant obsolete and slow-moving inventory that was still on the balance sheet. So we assisted the the client and setting up those reserves so that so that the accounts were properly stated. And again, what this does later on, it gives the ability and the perception that we're not allowing a buyer and their due diligence team to uncover everything. You know, we want to uncover it. The seller will start to lose credibility if they just turn over everything and start finding all kinds of problems. And what you'll have is you'll have a, a buyer walking away saying, you know, well, we have yep. inventory problems, we have revenue recognition problems, and the buyer will walk away. So this helps, you know, somewhat protect the deal 
and and it's it's just a better approach before you go to market. All right, that's really helpful. Thank you. I'm hearing credibility, credibility all the time here, but I think for you know our business owners, fellow founders of businesses, what are the three things that convince them that this is worth paying for upfront? And one is is certainly credibility. Two is that the purchase price that a buyer puts on the table to you is unlikely or less likely to be contested based on their diligence, right? How else would you think about it? I would say the emphasis is on various components of purchase price and mm-hmm. and even purchase agreement. One, one of the things that we always forget about is that the seller has to make certain representations and warranty in the agreement. Well, if the seller hasn't done their homework up front and inventory uh-huh. is messed up, they're making a representation that inventory is done in accordance with accounting rules. And, That's a great and point. if it's not, if that homework isn't done up front, the seller is repping that everything is fine, then what you have post-close, you have an indemnification claim being filed by the buyer saying, hey, we came in, books are all messed up, we want some of our money back. Yeah, that's an excellent point. You know, I would just encourage everybody listening that if you have any questions, we're certainly open to, to hearing them. I see a, a few coming in already, and maybe we could jump to, to one of them. The first one we got, was if I'm thinking about a quality of earnings analysis, can I do that internally with my own kind of CFO and, and finance team? Or do I have to go to an accounting firm like uh, Doran Mayhew? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good question. And, and I would say that it goes to our comment on credibility and, and kind of independence by having an outside firm and, and use as an example, Doran Mayhew. When you contract somebody on the outside, it's not the perception that, you're just putting makeup on this thing to make it look good. And it, it's almost like when you have financial statements prepared and the bank asks for a financial statement prepared by an outside accounting firm, it's the same thing. They want that stamp of approval and credibility by an outside firm, albeit we're working for the seller, but we have you know professional rules that we have to abide by. And then we put our stamp of approval via our due diligence report. And so it's the perception from the outside that you just didn't do your own due diligence. You could do your own work inside, but there should be that stamp of approval by somebody else on the outside via sell-side due diligence. Yeah, just, just to add to that, that level of credibility that an outside firm brings to the buyers when they're looking at multiple opportunities to potentially invest in or acquire, the ones that sit uh, on the top of that stack are the ones that have the most credibility and have that sell-side due diligence by a third party. So yeah, you may want to do this yourself to uncover some of the red flags that you can work on on your business. But yeah, the third party credibility is, is incredibly important. And we go back, Todd, to you know preparing your house for sale. It's the same thing as listing it by owner. You know, and, and doing doing your own work and, and then listing it by owner, it, it's not the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we got another question. Yeah, what what question should I ask when I'm interviewing an accounting firm to do a Q of A? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and typically what you want to make sure is that they have experience doing due diligence. And in this case, particularly sell side due diligence, you know, the firm may disclose without mentioning names, some recent transactions that they perform sell-side due diligence. 
You're going to want to make sure that they have the resources internally because time kills a deal. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get your work done up front with your outside due diligence firm because they don't have the resources, you're not going to get to the table to take this to market. So, so you want to make sure you understand what their timeline is. Do they have the resources? Have they done deals before? And then, you know, don't be afraid to ask them, give me an example of what your deliverables look like. You know, they should have example reports that they have done in the past that they should be able to give you and commit. And then as you get comfortable after those questions, you want all this outlined in an engagement letter. You know, what their timeline, what their deliverables are, what the report's going to look like. That's going to be important to put in writing. Thanks, Larry. I, I mean, it, it speaks to you know our entire business model, which is we're bringing industry-specific talent at every piece of that M&A transaction from your M&A attorney to your investment banker to quality of earnings. And not every accounting firm has the expertise that Adorn Mayhew has, right? And so being able to dig in and ask the right questions, that's hard for founders to know. So hopefully people took some notes on those types of questions. What I love is getting to work with you and Joe, very specifically knowing that you guys have the bandwidth for companies that sign up with ExitWise to know that they're going to get kind of first class talent on a really expedited timeline. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that was that was asked. Let's go to, to one more question here. What does it cost to run a QV? Yeah, the cost of quality of earnings. Yeah. Uh, obviously yeah. industry and size of company, maybe we have to but, yeah. touch on those. What what we typically like to do before we come up with cost is is to get an idea what what the financial statements look like, what the conditions of the books are, and and so forth. We've seen it's a wide range. They could be they could be as low as forty five thousand dollars, as high as one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So it really depends on the company. I would say that we see a lot of sell side deals falling somewhere around the. mark, again, depending on complexity, size of company, and so forth. Let me ask you on that, because I think we've been pretty efficient on these, and certainly kind of on the lower end of the scale, our typical business is selling $45, $50 million. But there's a component of this quality of earnings report, that report at the end. Is that always necessary? I feel like there are certain components that our bankers need to represent the company very, very well, and maybe not the full quality of earnings report as, as we're talking about today. Is that something yeah, that... Todd, yeah, good question. Or then, yeah. And so we have two options. As we're doing our sell-side due diligence, we prepare what's called the data book. And mm-hmm. uh, the data book is visualize an Excel, Excel workbook with probably a hundred different tabs in it. And from you know internal financials to our analysis and our spread of the numbers. So we give the option of our clients, do you want the full fancy report or do you want just the data book? And um, typically on a sell side, uh, we see the full data book because then they can hand that data book to you know the prospective buyer they could hand the report to the prospective buyer. And, you know, even with the report, we would also provide the data book. Yeah, it's good to know that those are some options. I know 
when we get our clients, we're very much trying to understand the cost of every phase and really so they know exactly what they're getting into and making that decision of what piece of the puzzles they really need ahead of time uh, makes some sense. I think we got a, We have another question. What's the time commitment that you need from a founder, the founder's team, the CFO to, to pull off an analysis like this? Quite a bit. <laughs> so because we're in most instances new to the buyer, new to the company, we're just going to have a ton of questions. And so kind of our process is that we'll set up our own, call it data room of information if one's not set up by the investment banker yet. And, and we'll, we'll start off by putting in information request list together, things that we're going to be, that's going to be needed to perform our analysis. So once we, once we get to that first step and we start receiving information, our next step is we do what's called, we spread the numbers. We look at it, we analyze it, we look at anomalies in the, in the numbers and we pull out certain information. Then we put several pages of questions together. And then we'll get on the phone or meet in person with the management team and get those questions answered. That's really the first wave. And, and, and once we do that, then we'll update our analysis and all of our information. And, you know, if, if there's an opportunity for us to go on site and, and do this on site, we try to do that. We always like to look at inventory and do our walkthrough through a plant to get familiar with the operations, because keep in mind, in this report, we're going to do a write-up on the company. It's short background on the company, its operations. We're going to talk about what we did from a sell-side due diligence, and then we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of what our observations are, what we found, and in keeping in mind that you know we're, we're trying to do our best to make a positive spin on the numbers and everything else, because by then, we've made any necessary adjustments that a potential buyer is not going to see. And then, and then we move towards, we're going to need quite a bit of work from CFO and owner to get an understanding of the numbers. So Larry, can we put a little bit of a time frame on that? I think the last one we did was maybe a four-week process. Yeah, yeah I, I would say that it's usually, we like to give ourselves 60 days to get it all done and do it right. And sometimes 60 to 90 days, four weeks would be extremely quick. And, and yeah. so- We've had timeframes where it's four to five weeks, but they're not complex deals. I'd say most of right. them are 60 days. Some of them go as long as 90 days. Yeah, that's good to know. I think the other component that you pointed out is is the CFO being involved. And a lot of our clients don't have that CFO. So it sometimes starts with a, a data dump out of QuickBooks and that searching for that data can lengthen the process. So certainly having a financial person on your team as a business owner can make this run more smoothly and not distract you so much as, a, as the owner or CEO of the business from operating. But you know, it's obviously a very valuable part of it, and it's going to take some time. And, and just on, on that note, keep in mind that if a company doesn't have a CFO and they have a controller, the benefit of having somebody like us come in and help them with sell-side due diligence, as they then proceed through the transaction, we're there to help them answer questions. So they're going to have questions from the potential buyer's due diligence team, from their tax people. And, and so we, we could be a, another source for them to help answer the questions a little bit more maybe in depth than, than the controller might be able to do. You know, Larry, I saw this question come in even before we started, which was, if I get it right, 
if I have an inbound interest, meaning a company has called me and said they want to buy me and I want to execute on a transaction like that, do I need a sell side quality of earnings? And yeah, just be interested in your take on that because we see a lot of that helping a lot of founders that have are in that situation. You're saying when there is a deal that you know who the buyer is? Yeah, a buyer has, we call it inbound interest, right? The buyer yeah. has contacted yeah. one of our clients and says, hey, we're really interested in buying you. Our client says, what do I do next? This question was, do I need a quality of earnings in that situation? Yeah, and my, my response would be yes, but you may be able to limit the scope of what's mm-hmm. done. You know, in right. other words, if you know the buyer and you're moving down that path with the buyer, you may skip the full fancy report. You know, yes. because the report, keep in mind, could be as as long as 80 pages. And and we just do the data book, which means we're washing through the numbers. We're bridging for the potential buyers due diligence team to shorten their length of time that they have to do their due diligence by doing some of the work up front. Yeah, that's great. You can kind of accelerate the process by doing it and you, you get the data book side of it, which is really the, the component that exactly. a current buyer would need. Do we have any other questions? Yeah, we have one last one. One last um, question. If if the buyer is going to do QOV, then why do I as the seller need to do QOV? And how do those two reports work together? So even if the buyer is going to do QOV, it's extremely important that that's for the buyer, that that accounting firm that represents the buyer is doing it solely for the benefit of the buyer. They're not looking for things that are going to benefit the seller. They're looking for their client, the buyer. When we come in and do diligence, we're trying to get things in order before they come in, again, bring in that credibility so that when the buyer comes in and does their due diligence, they're going to find a clean set of books. Numbers have already been validated and so forth. So it's extremely important that we do our own homework up front before we hand over keys to the company and and before we even negotiate a purchase price to make sure that as they dive through, they're not going to come up with significant adjustments in purchase price. Yeah, I think that's a great, great way to kind of even tie this up, Larry, because this is negotiation, right? And by doing your own quality of earnings up front, you're giving yourself really negotiating power. And when a buyer goes to do that in due diligence, they're looking for negotiating power. And if you're holding it, then your purchase price is less likely to get adjusted. But if you don't do this and they do it on their end, right? they've got a lot of ammunition to renegotiate a deal. And as a last thing, you know, our sellers, our, our clients really want. And just one, one additional to keep in mind, you're also helping by doing sell-side due diligence to accelerate the overall timeline of the deal. I mean, deals can take yes. five, six months. If a lot of the work is done up front and you're trying to shorten the work done by buyer's due diligence, you can shorten the time frame and get the deal done. And, and again, keep in mind, time can be a killer in a deal and, and you lose the deal. So the quicker we get it done and, and signed and closed, the better. Larry, that's a great point. I don't think we emphasize that enough because it really can take take time out of uh, getting a deal done. And like you said, right, time kills deals. Larry, I want to be really respectful of your time. And really, I really appreciate you doing this. We're going to try to continue this for the audience of educating them on these components of M&A transactions. We love having you as a resource and pulling you in. So thank you for making us all smarter today. Welcome. Welcome.
Again, Dora Mayhew is a sponsor of ExitWise, and we work with Dora Mayhew on multiple transactions, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Cashing Out Podcast. For more founder exit stories, please subscribe to the Cashing Out Podcast on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And please remember, ExitWise.com and the Cashing Out Podcast are for entertainment purposes only. This should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions.